Live from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey, everybody. It's back to Pink Hair Engineer time. Right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your uh, not Pink Hair Engineer time, but I'm back on my bullshit. And, uh, the foliage of Aladiata changes throughout the season, so it's summertime. Um, here we are. Hi. Like, a, like an orchid. Um, okay, so we've got an exciting show jam-packed with goodies. Many of them are pink and purple as well. Um, so you can look forward to that and uh, new products and we've got we're back to having codes and we're back to having weird art clips, stuff weird art stuff so uh, I'll say this as the crisis has uh, relented over, uh, relented a little bit, a little bit at least uh, here in New York and for parts of our lives it's still not over yet um, you can start to have other parts of your brain come back and I was uh, talking to a, a person here at Adafruit, and I said, you know, for like 18 months, I didn't have the melodies that I used to have in my head for the songs that we would do with Circuit Playground, our uh, puppet series, or there was like art stuff I wanted to do. And just like, it was just gone because it was all about like, keep everyone safe. Let's like, eventually it was about vaccination. Before that, it was like, let's make uh, face shields for the city. Let's make feathers for the ventilator <laughs> project that they needed them for. And you really can't do art. Um, no, there was, there was, there was or anything. Art. Yeah. So we have some fun art stuff and more. Uh, we've been writing some more articles. We've had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So um, thanks for sticking with us all these months. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy the shows that we have coming up soon, including the one tonight. All right, what's this code? On tonight's show, the code is README. We'll talk about why, but use the code README on checkout, 10% off anything that's in stock in the Adafruit store, all the way up until when I remember to turn it off, probably around 11 o'clock tonight. We'll talk about our Adafruit live series of shows, including Show & Tell. You should check that out on all of our video channels. Time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, stuff that's going on, and more. A little bit of jobs from the Adafruit Jobs Board, jobs.adafruit.com. Post up your skills, or if you're a company, post up the job so you can find the talent that you are looking for. Main New York City factory footage, some scenes here from Adafruit, some 3D printing, everyone's favorite segment, Ion MPI, new product introductions, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. We got some new products, we got some top secret, we answer your questions, we do that at the end of the show, but you can load them up there, adafruit.it slash discord, join all 29,000 of us, we'll be up to 30,000 soon. Mm. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Yeah. Alrighty. Let's um. Let's start paying some bills. Let's do this. So thing. don't forget, codes read me. Um, when you add stuff to your cart, uh, you free. get free stuff. Ninety-nine dollars or more, you get a free Permaproto half-size breadboard. People love them for making their projects permanent. One forty-nine or more, you get a free STEM QT board. We have a range of about twenty boards we give away. Make an account, and you'll get a different one each time. How fun is that? Uh, One ninety-nine or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And $2.99 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite development board with everything built in. You don't even need to do any soldering. Jump right into writing code with MakeCode, code.org, CS Discoveries, Arduino, or our favorite, CircuitPython. We do a bunch of live shows, including this one. We just finished up the show and tell. On the show and tell, we had our entire team, or some of them, showing off some of the projects they did. And then we had a bunch of folks from the community. Um, the show lasts about a half an hour. We've been doing this for over a decade. Um, go check it out. Go check it out on any of our channels and Get more. Inspired. And if you have a project that you've built with Adafruit stuff or not even Adafruit stuff, come on by. We also do retro 
hardware, a um, little bit of everything. And some Dumpster of the projects, diving. yeah, some of the projects, Mark has been uh, coming back and showing this lamp project. 3D printing, there was an abandoned, an abandoned lamp for four abandoned years. Lamp. His friends, everyone wanted to throw this lamp out. They put it on his, his, his porch, I guess. This lamp porch. was unloved. Unloved. But, now this, but is, now this is the most special lamp in the world. He saw the light. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And now it's this uh, beautiful, like, RGB LED lamp. So, that's great. And so, you got the willingness to fusion. Yeah. yeah. So check out a lot of the show and tells, too, for project ideas. On Sunday, we do Desk of Lady Ada. The first part of Desk of Lady Ada is catching up on some of the stuff we were making. What did you show this week? Okay, I talked about uh, the ATtiny81X series and UPDI, which is the way you program, the single wire way to program and debug these chips. And I showed uh, that I found some awesome code by a GitHuber named Brendan something, I can't remember. Uh, they posted a, a programmer code that implemented UPDI in Arduino for the ESP, and I've been sort of porting it over to our library, and so I just went through the process of showing how UPDI works and how awesome it is, and uh, I think I got uh, signature data back from the chip, so I'm halfway done. And then we do a segment called The Great Search, which has been really handy because there has been chip shortages and more. And uh, one thing, uh, Jepler is in the chat, and he said, hey, Hug Report, thanks for mentioning that lead time thing, because we name-checked yeah. him. Uh, we love when people tell us stuff, and we love giving credit. We love name checking because we're just like, "Hey, like this is how I didn't know about this page. This is how humankind uh, mm -hmm. transferred information for the longest time." And here's the other thing I've learned: just because you know something doesn't mean someone else doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that we could all do better. It's like, "Hey, here's this cool thing," um, especially when you have a, a thriving community of electronics enthusiasts and open source folks. Um, the whole point is to share this. Um, so what was your pick of the week this week? Um, so this week I was working on some real-time clock breakouts, and I talked about coin cell battery right. holders. There's two kinds. There's kind of the, the slide-in-the-side style, and there's the snap-onto-the-top style. Uh, and so I showed off both which ones I'd like. I've used both, and I showed where and when I use either one, um, as well as showing how you can get them on DigiKey, and a couple of things to look for, especially if you're using multi-battery pack coin cells, like you're stacking them up. All right. Next up, JP's product pick of the week. This is one of the few, if not only, shows on the internet that broadcasts live from a product page. Um, and we have a discount that's on the product itself. It's broadcast inside the product page. And you can do everything on the product page. You don't need to leave the product page. And JP shows you everything about it. So let's uh, show a clip from this week's JP's product pick. The 24LC32EE Prom Breakout. This is some memory that you can write information to, and it's not gonna go away when you pull the power on it. So what I'm gonna do is I'll go ahead and plug in one of my EEPROM breakouts, and uh, nothing fancy, I'll just reset the board. And now when it restarts, you'll see it loaded in the first four bytes of information on the EEPROM. So it looked at address zero, one, two, and three, and from that it grabbed these hex values. So what are those? Those are the RGB values of a number of NeoPixels. So now what I can do is go ahead and unplug that just like a game cartridge, plug in a different one. And again, I'll just go ahead and reset. Uh, and now we've loaded in some different values right off of the chip there. That's the product pick of the week. It is the 24LC32EE Prom Breakout on I squared C Stemma QT form factor. All right, JP's workshop is tomorrow. You can watch that, and if you watch the show and tell, you'll see some of the things that he's usually going to show, but we have a clip. So we're going to play the clip, and then we're going to uh, hop over to CircuitPython Parsec.
Take it away, JP. And then we'll play these back to back. CircuitPython Parsec today, what I wanted to talk about is formatting strings along with numbers inside of your code. Sometimes you want to just simply print out to the serial or the REPL or to a display some information and you want to format it nicely. So here are a couple of ways that you can do it. In the main loop of the program, what I'm doing is creating three variables named number one, number two, and number three. And those are numbers that are created using this random.randint and then a range. Then the next thing that happens is I go ahead and I print out the uh, phrase that you see here below, random combo is, and then a number like 29 left, 15 right, 6 left, as if we're generating numbers for a combination lock. I'll go ahead and run that so that it is uh, updating in real time. So you can see it waits 4 seconds and then it's going to go ahead and repeat that, except this time it's generated a new number. Now, what you can see about the way I am formatting this print statement is that it is kind of long and a bit confusing to deal with sometimes, especially when you look at all these commas. I wanted to do things like uh, have the word random combo is, then a number, then the word left, then a comma, and quotes, and then another comma. So it's totally doable, but it can get a little confusing. So here's an alternate method. And this right here, I think, is a little more manageable sometimes. Here you can see I have the whole phrase as I want to see it. Right here it says random combo is. And then I'm using this percent %d, which means we're going to go outside these quotes and grab the first variable uh, as an integer number and plop that in. Then I have the word left. Then I go and do the same for the next one. I grab this number 2, then the word right, comma, and then the third one. And I go and grab number 3. So you can see if I save the code right now, it's going to refresh, and it looks the same. It actually prints out the same type of statement, but it's really nice and clear and concise, both the way it prints out, but also the way we deal with it. If you have to change any variables here later, it's nice and neat and uh, easy to understand. And that is one way that you can format your print statements inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Friday Deep Dive with Scott, and uh, this week, special guests, Scott and Jimmo from MicroPython. Yes. And uh, this is, I don't, I haven't met Jim in person yet, so I don't have a photo, but I have their, their GitHub repo. So check that out. Uh, Friday, Scott's going to, I think, explore a bug together. Oh. And they're going to do this on um, Scott's show. It's like a little play date. Yeah, it's cool. It's a CircuitPython, MicroPython well, play the, date. The other thing that's neat is with um, CircuitPython... Is it seven? Yeah, seven. seven. With CircuitPython 7, the great merge has happened. Mm. So there's a lot more um, collaboration, syncing up with MicroPython and CircuitPython, and that allows us to do a lot more collaboration together. And this is all good. So check that out on Friday. Okay. Next up, time travel, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. First up, um, this was Phil B's home for 
abandoned computers or something like that. Yeah. This is a video from Phil B of the week, retro hardware and more. I have no self-control. Some people adopt every stray animal they see. I adopt old computers. Sometimes you find a deal at a flea market or a yard sale and you bring it home, plug it in, you get a power light, but no video. There's a couple of common causes for this, and in some of these 8-bitters, like a Commodore or this Atari, if it's one of the custom chips, that's bad news, because you're going to have two or three machines that you mash together to maybe get one working one. But if it's the RAM, it's an easy fix. And all you need to troubleshoot this is leave the machine on for about five minutes and then give it the finger. Any bad RAM chips will be hot to the touch. RAM chips like the 4164 are dinosaurs, but they're still easy to come by. I found these at Jameco for about $1.50 a piece. Swap out the RAM and you're ready to play Minor 2049er. All right. I love it, these top tips. It's Python on hardware time. Yeah. Okay, so first up. Wait, did you, did you mean to skip this one? Yes, I. Sorry. Yeah, I'm Sorry. doing this one first. Sorry. Python on hardware, then I'm going to skip back to that. I apologize. The, no, it's okay. I, cause it, so there's a lot of Python stuff going on. I know, on. I know, I know. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Ignore me. No, it's fine. I went out of order. That's fine. Um, so this is a little snapshot of the newsletter. Um, a little bit of a reminder. Big news Circuit for Python Circuit Python. It's is, a snaky date. It's Circuit Python Day. And it's 8-6, 2021. It's a Friday. Yep. And at Adafruit, there is no... There's no public holidays in August, so we decided it's a day off for our team, and it's a float holiday if they want. But we'll have, at 1 p.m., so far on Friday, it's gonna be uh, Katni, Jeff, Dan. At 3 p.m., you're gonna do a, a board, board tour. tour. Board, board tour. Scott's gonna do a deep dive, and then we're gonna add some more CircuitPython folks throughout the day, yep. and then we'll have some things for people to do. So yep. if you have a CircuitPython project. It's a um, great time to show it off, come by the Discord, yeah. you wanna contribute, you wanna have a bug fix, do you wanna test out the latest releases? Yeah. CircuitPython day. And everything's recorded, so you don't have to worry about missing it, you can always watch it later. Okay, um, Scott was on the. Um, Talk Python to me live stream. This was with Damien, uh, founder of MicroPython, Scott's Python. And uh, check it out. Uh, really good listen. Michael Kennedy is an excellent podcaster. And you can hear all sorts of things that have happened with MicroPython and CircuitPython. And um, I got through most of it. Um, I have to still listen to the last bits. But I thought it was interesting about how both Damien and Scott commit, I think, this like, Python experience in two different ways, but you could tell how well it's mashed and merged together now, especially with how we're doing things with our sensors and how we're doing things with peripherals and how there's this like really powerful Python thing, uh, this virtual machine that Damien made. So anyways, yeah. I thought it was neat to kind of watch them. It's the, good. The two, of them, two of them together and uh, talk about how a lot of these things work. Seven zero alpha four. A lot of stuff is changing yeah. in seven, but there's a lot of good fixes as well. I mean, we're just cramming seven full of so many updates and fixes. It's going to be a very big update, yeah. uh, but also a very good update. There's a Moo beta. You can check that out. It's one of the editors that people like to use. Um, I have some newsletter statistics. I'll talk about that in a second. And then um, the Python art, which I'm going to skip back to. Um, there's a lot of neat things you can do with Python, keeps, like keeps, keeps. like making keyboards with it, or doing art with it, or robotics. Yeah, making games, or you know, you name it, you could probably do it. 
um, with Python right now. And so that's why we're excited about all the things going on in the world of Python and hardware. So um, don't this this newsletter, yeah, yeah, don't forget the, the Circuit Python Day. But this newsletter is pretty popular, and I wanted to go over some stats oh, with yeah, it. Oh, yeah, we have the stats report. Yeah, so um, we were trying to figure out, um, we kind of knew things were still going okay, but um, we were just trying to figure that out. So I'll just give you the, the, the high-level stuff. So we're almost up to 9,000 subscribers. Please consider joining at Adafruit Daily. We don't spam. How much do you have to pay? Zero. It's free. We don't spam. We don't do weirdo tracking. We're, we don't... Uh, I was reading uh, a person's blog that I that I like, and they were like, "Online commerce is terrible because you go to a website and now you're signed up for a newsletter. Nothing ever works out. Um, com computers are like their fans start spinning because there's so many frameworks and things loading in." And I'm just like, "Wow! Like, we did I think a really good job with our newsletter because we keep it separate from the store experience." So, anyways, we're almost up to 9,000 subscribers. Uh, year over year growth, we did the quarterly thing: 12% quarter one. 10% quarter two so far, um, you know, it gets a little bit harder. But this is a lot of people for a newsletter that's kind of hard to sign up for. Um, we don't go out of our way, and this is people that are interested. So we'll see. We want to get to, like, about 10,000. We think that's that's where it'll it'll be in a good spot. Um, but please uh, send in the content and consider subscribing to the Python and Hardware News. And then um, $5.4 million. What's that all about? What do you think this... What do you think this bought? Uh, a Virgin Galactic flight? I don't know. No. It bought an NFT of the first internet. <laughs> this source is the code for the www. Source code for the World Wide Web. Tim oh, Berners Lee. Is it like him? He scrolls through all the code for Yeah, so Tim Berners Lee goes through this code and um, this was sold for. This is not crypto. You, I guess they could have paid in crypto. But it was uh, 5.4 million. And before everyone freaks out, this is what he said. I'm not selling the source code. I'm selling a picture that I made with a Python program that I wrote myself. Hey, that's why it's in the Python hardware section. <laughs> and I'm saying that this might be the most expensive Python program ever made. 5.4 million, and you get a copy of this. And you can go to the Sotheby site and just see exactly. That's one of the things about these NFTs. I said... For 5.4 million, <laughs> you should throw in a next box where it was actually developed. Oh, uh, you know. Um, so anyways, that's the, uh, that's the Python and hardware news. All of us can endeavor to sell a Python program for $5.4 million. You just have to invent the World Wide Web. And that's Python and hardware. Thank you, Blinka. Yeah. All right, we're an open source hardware company, and here is a little snippet from the README podcast, which you did, which is why the code is README. Oh. Um, so this is a little audio. The, 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 the marketing folks over at uh, GitHub said, hey, we have this podcast coming out. I just rambled for 45 minutes. It, they didn't even get a here, word in. Here's, here's, here's a little snippet from Lady Ada, <laughs> then we'll talk about it on the other side. I think it's actually better to try to teach and present electronics engineering from the top down. There's a problem you're trying to solve. And what skills and technologies do you need to solve it? Okay, and today you were part of the GitHub internal like keynote thing, and I'll say... And same thing. It was just me rambling it, 15 minutes and they didn't get your, a word in. <laughs> your, your rambles are good. Um, well, that's why you're married to me, yeah. but uh, not everyone... You yeah. give really good... Uh, wisdom out there about how things could work 
at GitHub, how, how we can make computer science better together. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I just don't care. Well, no, it's... Uh, no, I mean, I care so much that I don't care. I, I, I think a person had said they, they, they really liked listening to your talk because you were very direct and honest about what we can all do to make computer science better and easier for folks. So anyways, um, this is a bit of a big deal. I wanted to show the uh, site that they put together. Um, this is on github.com forward slash readme forward slash podcast. Um, I think either one of those gets and there. And I have a couple of people yeah, on but the check podcast. This out. Check out. They like here you are, they did this thing. That's you me can, younger, you I don't can, do that anymore. You, they have a transcript, a full transcript. They have uh, great interviews with all sorts of folks. And this is like a really neat, like, let me, let me go to the, let me see if I can go to the uh, README Project homepage. You're on the like homepage right now, look at this. Yeah. This is really neat. Yeah. So um, everyone can check this out. And, and I'll say, uh, just outsider looking in to the cultural initiatives they're doing at GitHub, which is now part of Microsoft, they're doing a really good job. Maybe things will change later, but I'll just say, from our point of view, from my point of view, I think GitHub is doing a lot of good stuff right now, especially on how they're trying to get a lot of different voices. They are trying in. really hard. And I think they recognize, yeah. and they, I talked about this in the video, which is not going to be public, but also in, in this readme. The biggest challenge of GitHub is, is social. It's not code. Yeah, I mean, like, we could always make Action CI a little faster, and we could you know, have searching in forks, but like the biggest challenge that GitHub has to deal with is when you have a community of millions of developers together, you're now at a party with millions of developers and that is not necessarily a fun place to be. Or, or and how do you, how do you manage it? How do you get people to work together when there is no overarching structure? It's a self-organized yeah. community and like hundreds of thousands of self-organized community that are like interacting with each other. This is like multi, you know, multiple player uh, RPG. Yeah. But so, anyways, um, I thought this was great, and good luck. they did a really good job with all of the the interviews that they've been doing, and we got to tune into their internal um, all company meeting, and uh, full speed ahead. Good work, GitHub. Um, credit where credit is due. Um, next up, I wrote an article. Um, I helped. It's <laughs> and, my fault too. <laughs> and uh, this is about, uh, this is a follow-up. So there is a patent troll that's going after companies. And they're going after companies that sold a PCDuino years ago for a patent that's already expired. And so the way it works, and Lady Ada will probably say this in a better way than I can, but you can tell me. Um, so ARM is a licensing company. They say, give us money because we're going to give you this IP and you don't have to worry about people suing you because like, we took care of all of that. We developed In theory, that's how it should work. Right. I don't know because I can't see the contracts because they're under NDA. Right. However, from the SEC filing, ARM seems to imply that when you license their IP from them, they will indemnify you from any uh, patent or intellectual yeah. property lawsuits based on their IP, which... In my opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, and I have nothing to do with this case, and I have no insight to this, so I'm just totally mouthing off. Yeah. ARM is the people who should be invalidating this patent. So ARM has the IP of the chip. NXP makes a chip with it. NXP sells this freescale yes, chip to PC Duino. Yes, but NXP has to do with it. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ARM. It's no, ARM I'm just saying, but this is the chain of events. Yes. The chain of events is ARM has this IP. NXP says, great, and we want to buy this thing and make a chip with it. Great, here's a freescale ARM 9, Yeah. A9. And then um, Linksprite. 
PCDuino, put it on a board, and then and Spark Fun, Spark Fun so sold Spark Fun it. Spark is like five yeah. levels of indirection away from the intellectual property. And, yet they're the ones being sued for intellectual yeah. property because this this patent troll is is like a teeny bit smart. They have like four brain cells, <laughs> and their four brain cells say we should be suing the small company that yeah. may or may not even have in-house counsel and not arm. Arm, well, they're, which is le they're, like, their literally goal is to get settlement, settlements really fast. So, but I'm saying they should be squished, and Arm should be squishing them. So, yeah. Arm, go squish. So, you know, we checked with our lawyers about this, um, and this or is, license it if it's about and, and we checked with our lawyers before we published this article that I'm going to talk about in a second because um, it's not a great idea to like taunt the bear, you know, like hey, patent trolls. But this is actually a big issue, and we had a patent troll come after us, but because there was indemnification in one of the service we used. So basically this And also when you get sued by a patent troll, you immediately have to sign NDAs and non-disclosures to get any information. Like yeah. it's, it's all bullshit, so you can't talk about it. So we can talk about this because we're not involved. Yeah, so for the one of the patent trolls that came after Adafruit was really scary. They're like, we invented search. And they're like, give us $1 million now or we're gonna like sue you and then we're gonna get like $2 million. And it's like, it was nuts. And uh, there was a bunch of prior art and the search stuff that we have, there's uh, we use different services, and there's indemnification in it. It did go away, but it's always really scary when it's like, well, I guess we're going to be in court forever. Anyways, um, check out the article. Yeah, so check out this article, and here is um, what I sent over to Arm. So you're probably asking yourself, well, you're probably not, but um, and my 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 version of uh, how folks look at our articles, you're probably asking yourself, hey Phil, you're the type of person that'll that probably has a contact at Arm. Why didn't you just email their legal department and ask what's up? I did. So um, here's the questions I asked Arm, and this is the article. You can read it on our site. Uh, has Arm had a chance to look at a suit that was filed against SparkFun? Link to it. Does Arm think this suit has any merit? Has Arm licensed its IP for use in their cores? When companies license Arm for their microcontrollers or microcomputer cores, does Arm identify the licensee against patent suits? And um, you're probably thinking, boy, this would be great to hear from Arm. They have nothing to lose. There's no reason for them not to educate the public, but and they, they should said, sort of step up and be like, "Hey, yeah, there's a reason we're a multi-billion-dollar company is that we will protect our licensees." Right. So their response to all four questions was, "Arm does not comment on pending litigation." So um, I have the article up; you can check it out. We looked at their SEC filing that has an indication that this is one of the things that they might consider. Uh, doing because it's kind of like the promise of um, the whole business model. Well, what's the point? Like, why give them money if they don't? Yeah. So we'll see. And this isn't a ding on ARM. I know people are ARM. Like, this is. It's not. This is this is not the engineering side of ARM. This is the marketing and communication, the legal no, side. No, I actually think ARM is a juggernaut, and I just want to kind of like unleash the juggernaut. Okay. Because I really don't like this troll, and I think ARM ARM can like go in and 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 make a difference. For, they could do a lot of good work for the for small companies and makers and open for hardware. everyone for everyone yeah. for everyone if they if they went in like Newegg does a really good job at squishing some of the patents they'll they'll fight them it it would be good for Arm to say look enough's enough with these patent trolls coming after people for expired patents for things that were sold five years ago for uh, resellers five clicks down the food chain too yeah anyways. Um, so speaking of open source hardware, we're an open source hardware company. We have 2,506 guides, Lady yeah. Ada. What are the guides on the big board this week? We actually have a couple updated guides, but the new guides we have this week are the 3D printed stand for the MacroPad RP2040. Thank you, Noam Pedro, for putting that together. We have the automatic naughty cat detector using Loeb. Microsoft Loeb makes it really easy to do visual recognition 
uh, with your Raspberry Pi 4 and a camera and TensorFlow, which is awesome. And uh, so Melissa made a thing that detects when cats are on uh, her kitchen counter and it will jingle some keys. Although the, the motor that jingles the keys is already loud and scary enough. And then um, uh, Jepler uh, made Jep calculator or click click calculator. Uh, it's a desk calculator written in CircuitPython and it looks really cool. It has custom keycaps. Want to watch the uh, video? Yes, we have a um, cat, cat video. This machine learning project uses the Adafruit BrainCraft and Microsoft Lobe to detect if cats are on the counter. When a cat is detected, the keys will start jingling just a little bit. And then after three attempts, if the cat is still there, the keys will start jingling a little bit harder. When multiple cats are detected, then it will instantly start jingling the keys hard in order to get them both off the counter. Once no cats are detected anymore, it will go back into sentry mode. This project uses a custom 3D printed stand that houses a servo to hold a wheel with keys attached to it in order to jingle them. Check out the Adafruit Learn system for a guide on how to build this. Okay, and tonight I'm skipping around a little bit. Um, for the Python on hardware newsletter. We had a little bit of art this week. Yeah. So I wanted to show folks um, what, what I was playing around with. This is this VQ GAN thing plus clip and it's this AI. It runs on Colab. Runs on Colab which is interesting. Which is great. You don't have to install Basil. Yeah. And uh, we've had like, some experience with like training AI models and machine learning. I try to stay away from I try to stay away from AI and ML for things that are like already covered and people are like doing like military stuff and like face recognition, like don't want to do that. Um, so I like to do like art stuff usually um, with, with AI and ML. So um, this came out, um, I did a little blog post about it. It was um, from this website that I really like. And let me find the um, browser. Um, so this is the generating images from an internet grab bag. So this is a website, um, I think it's called uh, AI Doing Weird Things. Uh, yeah, I, AI weirdness, generating image from internet grab bag. So this is neat. So th the person who did this, they just typed in a car driving down a desert road in Monument Valley. And this is what the AI came up with. And like, that's pretty close. And so I'm just like, well, I want to try this out. And so I did. And um, what I first did was a, uh, I'm, less, I'm like, well, my first experiment will be Adafruit. And the Adafruit one's really weird because it actually looks like Adafruit. So there's fruit in the background. The electronics uh, grew out of this, and like pink hair came out of it. And yeah. I made and and when you make it looks these, a little bit like me. it does. It looks like a cosplay project on like a desk around here. And uh, here's a little video of it like thinking along the way. So I wanted to show this. All made with Python. Um, it's kind of cool, but here it is. Super freaky. Also, that music was generated by AI, too. Um, and then I made another one, Adafruit Industries, and it made this. And this also looks like you. So, like, <laughs> the visions, you know, like... Tell me. It, well, it, yeah, it's, it's like... like out it's something. like one of the Ripley's that didn't make it in, like, yeah, Aliens. Yeah. So, uh, so then I'm just like, well, let me try some other stuff. So this was CircuitPython. Okay. And this is taking the words and using this thing called Clip and then taking yeah. this other thing. Okay. Um, this is Cat Computer. I like this one. 
Because it's a little cat computer. This is Mickey Mouse in the style of Basquiat. And that looks exactly, I mean, to me, I'm just like, that looks like it. This is Mickey Mouse in the style of Andy Warhol. And then this is a season finale of Loki. So I, I wanted to like, this is total I wanted spoiler. to, I wanted to <laughs> wire this up with uh, like Twitter trends. So yeah, it would like, here, funny. here's what like computers spit out. So anyways, that's, um, that's just some of the art that we've been doing um, with Python and more. So you can check that out. Okay. All right, next up, a little bit of an announcement. Um, we have less than 100 slots open for Adabox. Please, please, please. And it's shipping really, really soon, like really, really, really soon. So if you want to get in, you got to book it like today. Yeah. Like today, today. So go to adabox.com. I'm going to drop some links in the chat. Um, we have less than 100. We will be running out shortly. These go really fast at the end. Um, it's going to be good. <laughs> It'll be something that will probably be out of stock and we'll be able to get for a while because these are, you know, usually tied to yeah, our... Yeah, if there's our, a, ch a chip shortage, um, Adabox gets the priority. So if there's something new and you want it... It does. So I'm going to put this in the chats now, adabox.com. And please consider signing up because we'll be out. And then people are like, oh, I wish you weren't out. Okay, next up. We have some Colin Lobs videos. Usually every day, Monday through Friday, Colin has some videos of show, showing and sharing some tips, electronics, cool things you didn't know about and more. Take it away, Colin. Though you may consider them a tool for mechanical engineers, calipers are surprisingly versatile for makers of all types. By gently closing the larger set of jaws, one can measure an object's outer diameter. Just make sure the flat sides are flush against the object's surface. For a more careful adjustment, you can move the jaws around the object using the thumb wheel. Similarly, fully spreading the smaller set of jaws within an opening lets you measure inner diameter. And you can measure depth by holding the flat end of the calipers against a surface and rolling the thumb wheel to extend this metal post down into the bottom of a cavity. Most digital calipers even let you choose between measuring in inches or millimeters. Personally, I enjoy millimeters. There are a lot of different types of capacitors out there and no shortage of variables to consider when picking one out. For example, ceramic, the very classic and most common capacitor. Ceramics are non-polarized, cheap to produce, and available in values from picofarads up to about 10 microfarads, and occasionally 100 microfarads, but they get pretty pricey at that point. Ceramics are great for high-frequency filtering and decoupling. Electrolytic capacitors can have massive values, and they're super cheap. They're often polarized, so they must be connected correctly, and their capacitance is most effective at signals below 100 kilohertz. On top of that preference for low frequency, they can also dry out over time and malfunction. Good to know. All right, next up, some main New York City factory footage.
All right, and here is a sunrise or sunset right outside our windows. The cranes, there's more cranes outside. And uh, as you can tell, Disney's growing. All of the, if you watched uh, Black Widow over the weekend. That's that, where your $29 th That's went. where it went. <laughs> All right, 3D printing. We're gonna play these back to back. We have a video from Noam Pedro and a speed up from Noam Pedro. Very timely um, for the speed up if you're into the Marvel Universe. Hey, what's up folks? In this video, we're taking a look at the Adafruit MacroPad RP2040. This is for folks looking to make a custom macro pad with mechanical key switches. It's designed to be super customizable and easy to use with both Arduino and CircuitPython. Based on the Raspberry Pi RP2040, this has an OLED rotary encoder, 12 key switches with NeoPixels, and eight megabytes of flash. The starter kit comes with box switches, clear keycaps, and key plates for making an enclosure. We designed a stand that features a print-in-place hinge for making an articulating kickstand. This elevates the keys so they're easier to press and a bit more ergonomic. It's pretty minimal and can be 3D printed without any support material. To assemble your macro pad, start by just adding a few switches to the key plate. Then line up the pins with the sockets and then carefully press them into place. Now you can proceed to install more switches, being very careful not to bend any of the pins. The switches are oriented with the LED slot lined up with the onboard NeoPixels. Be sure to check all of the switches are fully seated so they're installed correctly. The bottom plate is reversible and features silkscreen artwork by Phil B. Painter Dragon. To secure the bottom plate, line up the mounting holes and fasten the M3 screws. The keycaps are easily installed by press fitting them onto the stem of the key switches. If you'd like to customize your macro pad, you can use a keycap puller to swap out the switches and keycaps. To power up the macro pad, just connect it to your computer with a USB-C cable. CircuitPython makes it easy to create keyboard projects with the new macro pad library. To install CircuitPython, head over to circuitpython.org and look for the macro pad RP2040. Choose your preferred language from the dropdown and click on the download UF2 button. To get into bootloader mode, you'll need to use the boot and reset buttons together. Start by pressing down on the rotary encoder. While holding it down, press and release the reset button on the side of the board. Keep holding down on the rotary encoder until the USB drive shows up. When it does, you can release it. Now you can drag and drop the file to flash the firmware. It'll automatically restart the board and load as a CircuitPython USB drive. Check out the Hotkeys Learn Guide to get your macro pad set up with your favorite keyboard shortcuts. Click on Download Project Bundle to get the code and all the libraries and dependencies. To upload, simply drag and drop the code file and libraries onto the board's USB drive. The demo code handles all the heavy lifting so you can easily create your own macros. Just modify the existing file or create your own using this as a template. You can switch between different macro configurations using the rotary encoder. And there you have it, a quick look at the MacroPad RP2040. We hope you're inspired to check out CircuitPython for your next keyboard project.
And don't forget, every single Wednesday, you can learn how to make all this stuff and more with Noam Pedro. All right, lady, it is time. Yes. <laughs> new product introduction. This I week, it's Stuart. That's right. Brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. It's Stuart been Connector. a very long day. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, but... It's technically, it is, it is, it is new, because it's NPI. It is new. Yeah. But I, I'm, yeah. We're going to do new products. Scatter today. day. Okay, so uh, new you products got? today is uh, from Stuart Connector, which is like a subset of Bell. And it's simple but effective. Um, we've got some IP67 USB cable adapters uh, from Stuart. Um, so these are the type A cable assemblies. I'm assuming they'll have the type B and type C coming out shortly. Uh, they've got them in um, a bunch of different configurations. And what I like about this is, you know, a lot of times when you're making a product or a design, eventually you have to ruggedize it or like weatherproof it. But it's really hard to get like individual components that are weatherproof or ruggedized. Like for example, if you want to include uh, your Raspberry Pi computer into a product and you want to have it be outdoors or like a part of signage, um, you know, you've got these USB ports, but these USB ports are not rated for like anything. They're incredibly delicate. They're, it's a totally exposed computer. And that's what makes it really inexpensive, right? I mean, you can get ruggedized computers, but they're going to be a lot more pricey because they have all the enclosure stuff built in. But if you want to use common off-the-shelf hardware like Raspberry Pi or Arduino or BeagleBone, um, you can grab that and you'll see and everything's exposed. It's not weatherproof. And then um, you can get parts that are rated for weatherproofness and ruggedness. And to do that, you check out the IP rating, the ingress protection ratings, not related to TCP IP, totally different. And um, by looking at the dust and water ingress, and you can see on the left and the right here, the left is the dust rating, and it goes from zero, no dust protection, all the way up to six, which is dust tight. And then on the right, it goes from no water protection at all to like jets of water and like dunking in water and long-term immersion water, and then finally like high temperature water. Like it's, it's more detailed. And uh, uh, for these cables, they are IP67. Um, so that means that they are dust proof and um, you can dunk them in water but you know you don't want to have them in water for a very long time like they're not meant for pools or aquariums where it's like long-term uh, you know water dunking but you can you know if they get wet and they you know go into a puddle or something or, or somebody accidentally spills water on them they're okay and that's important because if it doesn't have an IP rating you can't guarantee it's it, there's no testing there's no guarantee you don't know if it, you know it looks like it's gonna survive outdoors doesn't mean anything. You need to have it be rated. Um, so you have these come in a couple different configurations. This is like the panel mount socket. And this, is you can see, there's the blue inside. That means it's USB 3.0. And then um, there's this, which is USB 2. That's like the white plastic on the inside. Uh, and this is the part that plugs into that socket. And then, you know, they have like this, which is, you know, an extension cable style. And you can see it has a nice cover as well. So. Um, they have like six or seven different cable configurations. Pick the one that you know you need for your project. Uh, you'll panel mount it. The panel mounting goes into an enclosure that is weatherproof. And then once the two cables are plugged together and assembled, it's IP67. Um, so there's all these different parts. Check them out. Like I said, there's 2.0, 3.0. Uh, there is uh, the socket and plug type, and there's three foot and six foot alternatives. Each one comes with very nice detailed specification sheets with all the cutouts and shapes and lengths and pinouts and all that good stuff. 
And um, yeah, this is another one, another cable example. Available on DigiKey. Yes, and I'll show it over on the overhead as well. Again, there's a couple different versions. I just picked one to show off here. Uh, so let's go to the overhead and I'll show you. So this is uh, a combo here. I'll show you this one second. So when you unscrew this part, this plugs into here. So this would be what you connect on the other side of your single board computer, like your Raspberry Pi, and this could be, you know, you know, data or power or whatever. Uh, you plug it in, and then there's, you know, like there's an O-ring here, and then you just have to screw this in, and it gives you uh, not only, again, that water and dust protection, but it's of course also strain relieved because it's like so strong and uh, ruggedized. And then I like that little details, like they have it say USB here, so you know what it is, because it, once it's in this, of course, you can't tell. And there's like epoxy on the back, and uh, altogether like a very nice cable kit. Just makes it really easy. You want to make your project ruggedized. You don't have to, you can use off-the-shelf components and then toss these, comp these cables in, and you're good to go. All right, you can check out the short URL here. It's also in the chat, and uh, you'll have a recap of this on our blog with all the information and more in the next day or so. And that is this week's Ion MPI. All right, Lady Ada, before we do new products, Codes Read Me, do it. Also, don't forget, Adabox. Code doesn't count for that. Get an Adabox. Um, after I announce it, we have like 20% less than we had before, yeah. so get on it. Here we go with new products. Okay. All right, first up, this is coming soon. Okay, these adorable pastel-y, like tropical pina colada. Uh, alligator clips are from Leeborg. Uh, they made a big run of them and they had some extras. We picked them up, they're coming soon in the shop. Yeah. Cool independent maker that does all sorts of neat things. We saw these and we're like, let's get them. I love that they're just like, it's not just normal red, orange, yellow, green, blue. It's got, got like pastel yeah. pink and like, I don't know cyan or magenta, I don't know. Beautiful colors, lime green. Uh, make your DIY projects uh, stand out with some colorful alligator clips. So coming soon. Next up. Uh, another, this is not coming soon, this is an updated product. We've stocked these re-legendable keycaps, but then I found a supplier that was half the price, and so I now send you, instead of five in a pack, you get 10 in a pack. It's the same exact re-legible keycaps that you take them apart. You can put whatever you want inside, snap them back together. Twice as much for half the price. Well, <laughs> same price, twi twice as much. Or half the price is, so, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You get 10 instead of five. Yeah. So great for your uh, macro pad projects or keypad projects where you, you want to have custom keycaps. And they're, you know, you can go through them a little bit. All right, next up. Okay. We've also got, um, this is a rotary encoder knob, but it's like a slim knob. We like the skirted style knobs, but I also got these as samples, and I thought they were quite nice, so I, uh, I picked them up. So let's go to the overhead and I can show and compare the two. So this is what we normally stock. This is skirted, so you can see uh, there is like this little bit of like a overhang here. Um, this one is much slimmer. It doesn't cover like the body of the rotary encoder, um, but maybe you don't want that. Maybe you, if you have a bank of these and you want a really slim type knob, uh, these are like the slimmest knobs I could find. So you can see 
Very svelte. Okay. Next up. We've also got, if you want to make custom kitty keypads, this silicone mold uh, lets you make six kitty cap keypads for your Cherry MX keys. Uh, you don't have to make all six at a time. It's just You get six slots because whatever, if one gets ripped or something, you're, you're good to go. Or you can make six at a time. Uh, I do recommend we have a couple of these types of keypad molds coming out. I definitely recommend using UV resin, not two-part yeah. resin. I tried two-part resin. It's like kind of a nightmare to use. Yeah, you can do it, but it's required a lot UV of patience. Nice. And you have to, it has to be the exact right temperature and the humidity and blah, blah, blah. Get the UV stuff. The UV stuff, it's a little bit more expensive. Um, but when you use it, you just use a UV LED lamp. And it cured in like a minute and a half. And it looked great. So I recommend it. It's because of these are so small, you can use UV curing resin. Um, and make custom keycaps. And you can design them. You can have colored resin. You can like put glitter in them. And yeah. of course, they can be translucent because resin is transparent by default. All right, and then we've got these cables. We're just going to go through these like really fast, right? Because these it's like are yeah JSTPH like pigtails, and you get the plug and the socket both sides. Uh, so it's great for making like little uh, harnesses. These are JSTPH compatible. Um, people know that we love these cables. Now we just have them. If you want to use this type of cable, but it's like you know cable to cable connector. Um, each order you get one of each, and we have them in three, four, five, and six pin configurations. Yeah, we have all the configurations you're going to need. We have a page that has them all and separate pages for each Yes, product. and of course you can use these with the JSTPH cables you already have. They're compatible, yeah. but I do like them as, as like, you know, these inline cable contacts. When you want, you know, we have these for uh, Pico Blade compatible. Um, these are going to carry more current. I think they're 26 gauge. All right, um, next up. All right, so if you're going to make 60% keyboards, we've got a couple different plastic and metal shells for you. So after you make the PCB, you want to put it in an enclosure. And the enclosure is kind of like the annoying part because it like has to fit it very nicely and you want it to be nice and sturdy. And it's hard to 3D print something this large. I mean, you can, but why not just get a shell? And so we've got a variety of shells, and these are all for you know, the GH60 style mounting, sometimes like called Geek Hack 60. Um, and uh, so we've got them in translucent smoke. We've got them in a opaque lavender pink purple, and we've got them in a translucent clear. There's three plastic ones, and then we also have one anodized aluminum, you know, milled one that's really, really nice and elegant. It's going to be more expensive, but it's also going to be heavier and flatter and more stable. If you're just starting out making keyboards, the plastic ones are going to be a lot cheaper and uh, easy, and of course, if you want translucent, uh, they're a great starter shell. 60% uh, keyboards are a great starter size for DIY key making if you're making your own uh, keyboard. These have a lot of space, and again, that standard mounting. So you can start with plastic and then upgrade to metal. And they all come with some assorted hardware and uh, slip grip things that keep it from sliding around your uh, desk. All right, next up. All right, next up from uh, Cytron, we've got two products. They've got the, this is kind of like an RP2040 board. It's called the, the MakerPi RP2040. It's got a lot of Grove connectors, and it's got motor controllers. It's kind of a nice all-in-one, do all sorts of things, RP2040 board. The RP2040 is on the board itself. It's not like a Pico breakout, but you see there's uh, motor drivers on the kind of top right, servo, Grove. So it's like robotics and automation projects, I think, would be a great pick, and it's like, Super cheap. 
Uh, so check it out. You can use, um, if you want to use our STEM QT boards, we have a Grove to STEM QT cable that would fit very nicely uh, with this board comes with all this assorted hardware. Next up. Next up, we've got the, um, from the same company, uh, this is the Cytron uh, Maker Pico. So you plug in your Raspberry Pi Pico onto it and it kind of the same thing. It gives you like um, a buzzer and switches and buttons and audio output, SD card and Grove connectors. So it's like a nice inexpensive add-on that kind of gives you like a bento box of like every sort of little, you know, hardware you might want to attach. Uh, comes with a nice uh, insert as well. I just thought like a great accessory. You'll, you'll have to solder headers onto your Raspberry Pi Pico, but after you've done that, uh, you just plug in your Pico and you're ready to rock. Okay, next up. Okay, uh, for people who've been doing a lot of stuff with Stemma and Stemma QT uh, and, and quick boards, these are plug and play I2C um, sensors and devices, and people love them because it's fun to plug and play. However, I2C was not designed to be plug and play. It's actually meant to be on a circuit board where things don't get disconnected or like moved or shifted or unplugged and replugged. That said, you know, once you make something pluggable, people are gonna plug it, right? I get that. So um, you can do that, but it's a little risky. Whenever you hot plug something like I2C that's not designed for hot plugging, there is a risk that you kind of destabilize the I2C connection. Um, you can sometimes have an extra SCL pulse or maybe like, you know, uh, you have a little bit of jitter or like the, the capacitance to uh, charge up the peripheral kind of, you know, messes up the open drain connectors. It, it's because again, it wasn't meant to be a plug and play system. We're, we're kind of hacking that, but you can turn it into a plug and play system by using this, the TCA4307, which is a plug and play hot swap buffer for I2C. It's designed specifically for people like you and me who love to use and abuse and misuse the I2C protocol stack. Um, you plug the inside into your controller. On the outside, you can plug whatever the heck you want and it will never, it will keep the two apart until it's safe. And it has this cool thing called stuck bus recovery. So if it notices that the SCL or the SDA line is being held low, it'll disconnect the peripheral and it'll try to clock it out to try to kind of like bring it back to life. I thought it was a kind of a neat chip. If you have this problem, this chip will solve it. If you don't have this problem, you're probably not misusing I2C, so keep doing that because that's kind of the way to go. But if you do want that, uh, this is an excellent little um, add-on and of course no firmware required. You just plug it in between your hardware and you're ready to rock. All right, and the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our team, and our customers is? The ortho snap apart neo key 5x6 pad. I don't know, this has so many descriptors. Um, this is neat because it's like the neo key breakout that we've got that people really like, but people are like, well, what if I want to make a matrix of them? Like, wouldn't it be cool if they were matrixed already for you? This is a, a pre-matrixed neo key setup. And it's basically designed for anybody who wants to make ortholinear or ortho uh, basically gridded, right? It's an XY grid. It isn't like offset like most keyboards. Um, you can use it for macro pads. You can use it for keyboards. It's five by six. So you, it's a kind of like not a full keyboard, but it's not so many that you're buying this huge thing you don't know what to do with. So it's 30 keys. It's got a nice in-between number. Arrange five by six. And it's snap apart. But in between the snap apart bits, there's little like traces that I put between them so that it's all matrixed out, but you can snap it apart as you wish. So let's go to the overhead because this is, this is kind of a complicated product, but if, you're, if you've done keyboard stuff, 
I think it's it's kind of self-explanatory. So let me uh, let me get out here and focus lock. Okay. So this is what it looks like, and you can see through here the, the table. You can see like my hand. So there's a little snap apart things with holes. There's actually small holes you can't even see. So with a pair of pliers, you can snap this out from five by six to any grid you want. You can do two by four, you can do like one by six, you can do four by five, four by three, whatever you like. Um, I recommend rectangular, but you don't have to do rectangular. It's just gonna be annoying to wire if it's not. And um, there's six columns and five rows. And so you only have to connect to you know, one of the five rows and one of the six columns because it's connected. Again, the, the rows and columns are connected through the little break apart tabs. Um, so you can have uh, a matrixed keypad. You only need 11 GPIO pins for this. And then each Neo key has a diode. You can kind of barely see it. So it's uh, ghost free. You don't have to worry about ghosting because each one is diode protected. And then each one also has a um, through hole, sorry, a reverse mount NeoPixel. So this little NeoPixel is reverse mounted. So it shines out the top. Um, and that's controlled by a single NeoPixel input line. And the NeoPixel input line snakes its way around through the entire grid. And using a resistor to kind of do a feed through thing, if you snap it apart, like if I snapped this out, it would still work because it would just shunt down this way instead of going all the way around. Just trust me, it works. Only need one NeoPixel input, and you can control any part of the rectangular grid that you design. If you want to have it be non-rectangular, like if you want like a triangle, you can do that. Just be aware that you're going to have a lot of like weird like row key, like the, the row and column math, they're going to have to figure it out. And the NeoPixels, you might have to kind of do a couple jumper wires. So I recommend doing uh, rectilinear. And then, of course, it's uh, rotatable. So, uh, you know, in this case, um, because I have a north-facing LED button, uh, so it's like a, a glow-through button, you know, you'd want it to be upside down. It doesn't matter because it's fully symmetric either way. Uh, the only thing that's directional is the NeoPixel input. You want it to be at the there's little arrows on the back. So you want it to be in the, the input of the arrows. You can see these little arrows that snake through. Just go into the input. Um, and you can make like your own custom macro pad or ortho keypad, ortho keypad or split keyboard of whatever size and design you'd like. And um, just use any matrix keypad uh, library code for this. We've got an Arduino library, and of course, CircuitPython has support as well. That's new products. New. Okay, cool. So don't forget, um, if it's in stock, use the code readme, get 10% off. You get all that free stuff um, free, free, free. as you fill up your cart. And then if you haven't gotten Adabox, we have uh, 20 or 30 less than we did when we started the show. So please consider going to Adabox.com. every year. We do. Um, so load up your questions. I already have some uh, ready to go. We're going to do a little bit of top secret, then we're going to answer those questions. All right, from the vault. What's in the vault? From the vault, we're going to do the WebBLE video, oh, yeah. and then I'm going to talk about squids. Hey, lady, what is this? Okay, let's show how you can use Web Bluetooth to wirelessly program circuit playground boards with NRF52840 native Bluetooth. So press reset, and then press again when it's blinking to put into Bluetooth mode, and then request the device, pair it. 
And now that we're connected, you see the REPL here? It's the same REPL here. As I type in this REPL, this one echoes. So I can print stuff and it appears on the display. So it's completely wirelessly uh, connected. I can even uh, go up, let's say, simple printing. And then you can also do file management as well. So it's pretty neat. This is all completely wireless using web Bluetooth. Uh, you can use with the latest version of CircuitPython using your NR52840 native Bluetooth ports. Okay. Anywho, um, here is my ongoing my ongoing quest. Yeah, I have to finish the hardware for this. Yeah. So these are the Trinkies, and I don't know which one we're gonna do. It's either gonna be a squid or an octopus. Then we had a different version of squid, and then folks are like, it has to have two longer arms. I'm like, you're right. And then they're like, it kind of looks like a Pope hat, and I'm like, you're right. And so this is where we ended up with the squid. And then here's the orca. I like the orca. And here's the panda. I think like orcas don't, they're, they're kind of bloodthirsty killers, so they often get a bad rap. But yeah. I think they're cool. They're so beautiful. So we're going to figure that out. But anyways, back in the, uh, back in the bin for you. Okie dokie, question time. I got a bunch lined up. Okay. Ask me some questions and we're gonna jam through them. All right, uh, let me just grab these before I start. Okay. Going through all of them. Ooh. First one, is there a project idea that you're too intimidated to try to start? No, I've just, I just need time to get them all done. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I think things that, um, things that are medical related or things that like people consume, those are a little intimidating because there's so many other things like certifications and, yeah. and safety but and stuff. I don't do, I mean, I but just, we don't do those, I but I'm saying those are the ones I'd be intimidated by. Yeah. Um, things with like lenses and optics, I think I'd be a little intimidated yeah, by that. Yeah, optics, Okay, um, is there an advantage or disadvantage to having the Oshawa logo on devices? I've seen some <laughs> things that have it and some don't. Um, I would say do it. Well, Only because not. you can register your hardware. It does give you, um, a uh, symbol of the intention of the designer, and I think that's really the whole point. So, yeah. when in doubt, if you want people to know it's open source hardware, I love seeing do it, it on boards. I think it's a really good way of of signaling your intent, of signaling the yeah. design, and it's not like it's going to make it more likely or less likely that your board's going to be like cloned or whatever. It, it it's just. You, if you have pride that you did open source hardware, show it off. So someone said Octopanda, but I feel like if I do that, the GitHub folks won't like us anymore because no. that'll be too close to Octocat. I, I think. Anyways. I think Panda is yeah. cool. Doesn't need okay. Uh, have you ever thought about looked at using chemistry in projects, be it for trying to create batteries or accomplish some goal that can't be done electrically or mechanically? We had a kids video on how to make a lemon battery. Yeah, check that out. That's about as far as we'll go with that. Um, does Adafruit make the PCBs in-house or have them made elsewhere and ship in for assembly? We have them made somewhere else. You can check out our resource page. We use companies like Advanced Circuits, stuff like DK that. DK Red from DigiKey is also available for short run. There's also yep. Oshpark. But making PCBs is a chemical process. You don't want to do it. Is it okay to use uh, Arduino for Feather hardware and software in something that you sell? Is there anything... Uh, to need to do with the Spurge? No, we make all the libraries for As it, long so. as the library, I mean, just be aware, if the code that you're putting in is is not licensable 
for sale, just make sure of that. Just uh, Arduino is the language we're using Arduino libraries. Um, you'll just want to make sure that those libraries are, That's a good are point. okay with being used in a commercial product. 99% um, of them are, but yeah. it's worth it to We're using Adafruit libraries are fine. Yeah. Just, put it, just to cut to the chase. Uh, okay, question for the show. The TCA307 hot swap I2C buffer, is it possible with Arduino code to query if the device is in fact attached to I2C wiring? The reason would be to code to check for wiring before use uh, error message. Yes, there's actually a ready pin and it will tell you. You can query that and it will tell you if there's, the thing is connected on the other side and if it's valid. Okay. Um, what's your prediction of the chip shortages going forward? I think it's still going to be bad for at least six months, but I think after six months it'll start to hopefully okay. chill out. Although I'm starting to see some parts come back but with totally bonkers pricing and not and through official disties which is like a little disappointing. It's like, I know how much this part costs. You guys basically, you know, you're selling it for 10 times the cost through an official distributor. Um, kind of not cool, but it's what it is. Okay, will you be getting any more of the NEMA 23 motors in or are they history? No, we have some. Okay. Um, oh, do you have a favorite magazine cover that you've been on? No, I like, I like this one, it's good. Yeah, we, had, we put these in the background today because we had, uh, we we're doing some filming. My um, cover's good. Yeah. I like the, so there's an article and I don't have a copy of it. And it was, was when you first started your business, you were in like the, the free magazine that they used to put in the train. Remember that? Like Arrival or something? Yeah, it was like called Arrival and it was the, Amtrak, the official magazine of Amtrak. Yeah. And that was like your first ink. They're just like, woman makes kits at home. Yeah. It was like a big story. I was in like tech review too, but not in the Yeah, cover but I think, I think that's when you know. Arrival. I arrived. That's, yeah. I like, I like those. Or was it like, like, like Northwest Airlines? I don't know. Yeah, or something like that. All right, let's. Uh... Okay. Um, I think that is, uh, yeah, we cannot. <laughs> Long Furby is a good one, JP. Um, is that again or is that? Yeah. Is that, was that an AI thing that was made? I like, can't, even can't tell. tell anymore. Yeah, we can't give any Adabox hints, but it's I, gonna be electronics. I think you'll like it and I think you might I think a lot of folks already know. Here's it a big hint. It's electronics and it runs circuit python. That's a good hint. <laughs> Alright, let me just Here's see if there's hint. a hint. All of them are electronics run circuit python. Yeah. Um, is there any way to program uh, for example an Arduino without a PC? A little hard. You, you, yeah, I don't think working that. on how to program with uh, circuit python for mobile devices then you can use yeah. any you really, phone. You need a computer. You need a Mac or, or Windows or Linux computer. Yeah. It's really hard without. All right. Uh, is Adafruit going to finish looking at the Python stuff for CircuitPython like MicroPython? Uh, does it, and will she look at Visual Studio Code and CircuitPython as editing environment? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing about IDEs and CircuitPython. You can use any IDE and just have your working directory Yeah be the drive. It just works. It, it, you do not need to do anything special. And then you can have a serial monitor in another window. Yeah. It does not have to be integrated to the ID. It is, mm. it is designed specifically so no special ID is needed. I, I use XEMACs. I think we're all, and, like, I think we're all damaged. We're all damaged thinking that like you have to do something special or sign an NDA or download this special thing. You could just use it as, but we also have a guide that we're coming out with that'll help you out as well. All right, and then last one. Uh, any plans to work with the ESP32 C2 now that modules are available currently out of stock at DigiKey? Um, I've not really looked at it, to be honest. We're, we're quite busy um, with existing stuff. 
Okay. All right, let's, uh, that let's walk out. Are Thanks, everybody. That are the questions for this week. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. Special thanks to the car behind the scenes and the slacks and more. Don't forget the code is README, 10% off in the different store, all the way up until when I turn it off, which is going to be probably in about an hour or so. Adabox.com, go there now. Sign up for Adabox. Trust me, you'll like it. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. I, everyone likes them all. They're all good. They're, they're all, all good, good boxes. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much for making this a great hour together. Thanks for tuning into our shows and more. This has been an Adafruit production. <laughs> Here's your moment of Zener. Bye, buddy.